to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight we have a conversation with Stephen Prouse. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight we have a very special conversation with one of the best and probably one of the most aggressive intercessor prayer warriors I've ever met. And we'll introduce him very shortly. This is a really critical time that we understand the power of spiritual warfare. And there can be nothing more important, quite frankly, in our world than spiritual warfare. We have to be able to fight this war on the terms which heaven has and the authorities heaven has given us. And the problem we keep getting wrapped into is we keep trying to play the war on the enemy's turf. That's not the way you win. What's going to be tonight is a great discussion, an in-depth discussion with somebody who does this for his life. He's called, and he's what he does. He's traveled the entire world doing this. And he's aggressive. He doesn't take prisoners, so to speak. And he is totally in, in alignment with the way, kingdom, the way kingdom is pushing us to be. So, Patriots, before we begin, be very aware that much of what is happening right now is by design to put us all in a compromised position, to break our will, to get things in a place where we literally don't have any choice but to serve these masters of terror. That means that money and parts of the economy that we rely on, that very many things that are dependent on our daily life, we have to start understanding that they're going to try to take those away, break them from our hands, and force us into compliance if they can. One of those things is, in the sense of money, is to keep in mind that we are living in a world of a Ponzi scheme. It is a fiat currency, a debt currency has no real value. We need, and if you have savings in those things, in particular retirement savings, you need to pivot them out to gold. Now, I'm not a retirement, I'm not an investment advisor, I'm not a doctor, I don't wear a white coat, I don't play one on TV, those sorts of things, but it's common sense. And it's the, it's the common sense that everybody needs. Now, this is why we have Birch Gold. Birch Gold is an incredible group that has been with us now for almost a year and a half, and they will help move your, your, ish, your money, your savings into gold. All you have to do is text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Again, text BARDS to 989898. You're going to receive a free info packet. And with that, you're going to be able to educate yourself, give them a call, and set up and see how they can help you. They are fantastic at transferring existing IRAs and 401ks into gold-backed retirement accounts. And when you do that with an existing account, it's no cost to you. So again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. Now, before we begin tonight, I want to read an interesting post. This is a post that was on X, and it comes from Robbie Starbuck. And it gets to the very core of everything we've been talking about for almost three and a half years now, which is at the core of county by county. It's at the core of men. It's in the core of resetting this nation. The technologies that we are dealing with now have become technologies of disempowerment and chaos. They are not about raising people up. And where we are in this world is we don't start to get a grip on this. We are literally going to slip into the clutches and grips of terror that these people want us to be in. In Bart's, at Bards Fest one in August or August of 2021, I was given a scripture 
by our prayer team, which was it was 616. I just actually just literally drew my name on it and just blew it. So anyway, we'll come back to that. The ancient paths. We have got to go back to the ancient paths. And in the ancient paths, we've got to seek that which was old and not with that which is new. So with that, let me read this from Robbie Starbuck. In 2023, I did more outdoor work than I've ever done. I was clearing trees, expanding our farm, adding new animals, adding co-ops and a barn, prepping for a greenhouse, etc. It's a lot of work, but it fills me with joy. It's convinced me that the depression and a lot of men is a side effect of losing touch with the biological purpose of and instincts. I'm not saying this is the root of it, uh, a root of it all for the men, but it is for many men. We were designed to be to feel fulfilled and a joyful and joyful when we protect, prepare, and provide for our family. Powerful interests have tried to stop us from embracing our instincts in favor of laziness, materialism, being ashamed, afraid to lead, and by distracting us with artificial experiences. We severely overcomplicate the simplest things about our nature. I think for most men, it's simple. You need to get outside more and feel the sweet the sweat of fulfillment by creating something that benefits your family. Teach your kids skills out there that they'll go on to teach their kids. Explore, create, get strong, lead your family, be prepared to protect them. Make them feel safe. Make them feel everything will be okay with with you leading them. Teach your sons to embrace their instincts and biological purpose as well. Teach them to protect the innocent and to be brave. The greatest compliment I've received this year is from my 10-year-old son. He thanked me for teaching him to be more brave this year. That is a pure joy no therapist or pill can give you. Technological advancements have done so much good, but they've also done a good job at confusing us about our design as men. Embrace your purpose. In 2024, that's what I'm going to choose to do. Embrace my purpose. What are you going to choose? We've talked about this at length, about the weakening of men. The, the trashing of their ability to stand up in this hour, a critical hour. And the, this all gets to the core of how we live. Choices that we continue to make to make life easier, which translates to making becoming lazy. Technology is not about making our lives better. It's about disempowering us, separating us from the core of who we need to do, getting our hands in the earth, doing the things that we're supposed to do. And unfortunately, as we've gone farther down this route, it's only become worse and more exacerbated. We are in a world right now where families that are in a working class family doing, say, skills of labor, whether it's electrician, whether it's a carpenter, whether it's welder, they constantly seek to send their children to college to learn to be lazy. And that's bottom line. If you think that sending your kids to college is a good thing, you're sending your child to college to be lazy, not to think. They're to be lazy. Because the t- what universities are teaching them is not about what to do in life to be better in the skills to improve the world. They're teaching them how to be hateful. They're teaching them how to not do manual labor, teaching them how to see themselves as elitist. And that's the full function of universities. It's a disempowering model. I, it, it mind boggles me at this age when I hear people, even when I talk to people that are awake, when they start talking about the path of sending their children to college, and I can't figure it out. It's like there's a disconnect going on. It's truly cognitive dissonance at the highest level. Sending your kids to college is a death sentence. It will, it will not do them well, and it will not put them on a track of success. It will put them on a track to compliance within a slave system, and that's the entire design. It is time that we get back to trades, and the only thing you can do to enhance your child is to get involved with those trades yourself, 
learn skills. I don't care what your age is. I'm 58. Last spring, I went through welding. I'm going to be doing welding again this year. I've, it's been years since I've done welding. I will get to myself where I am comfortable with welding to where I can actually do it as a job if I need to. That's how I work. And so it's important that in the skills that we have, we improve them. If, this, if you don't have those skills, gain them and work. We're adding horses on the ranch. I've never done horses. I'll figure it out. We just have, we have cattle now. I have 20, 27, 28 head of cattle. I'm learning cattle as I go. You have to start stepping into these things that you can turn you can turn into something not only to have for yourself but to pass on. And that inspires the others because we have to inspire the youth to break away from this freight train that we're on, which is taking us one direction, and it's enslavement into a system. So with that said, it's time for me to introduce tonight's guest, Stephen Prowse. I mm-hmm. didn't serve. I was, uh, I was 21. Just before I turned 21, my grandfather was like a father to me. And what turned into his deathbed, we're sitting in the VA hospital in Long Beach, California. And he had already been in there, went in for elective quadruple bypass surgery. And I was the second to last person to see him alive. He went into a coma. I, I left, the nurse saw him, and then he went into a coma. He didn't wake up, and his, his wife had pulled a plug 30 days later. Wow. And in that, in that conversation, he made me swear. He said, never join the police or military. Never fight another man's battle. You don't have a say in. He was Army Air Corps, 392nd group out of uh, out of uh, England. And he was shot down July, that was it, July 5th, 1944. Uh, Ten and a half months in death camps, two death marches in the snow. And these were death camps. He said like 95% of the people died around him. Um, at, that, at that time, like they just, they cut off food, they cut off everything. And he, uh, he said the only way that he survived was by pouring all the hatred inside him into the Nazi in front of him. Yeah. And it, when, when lessons like that, I think I was, <clears throat> I'm 45 now, so I think it was 31. I started really, like I was in the throes of spiritual warfare. I was teaching myself, like Holy Spirit and I were hashing this out on my own. My father's Pentecostal pastor didn't tell me a word about it. All the other pastors I'm around, just, you know, the superficial Ephesians, you know, six, and I'm I'm hashing this out the old-fashioned way. And all of a sudden, like, I find Matthew eleven twelve. 12. Since the days of John the Baptist, kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And I'm like, the only way that you can take anything by force is if you got some gas tank of hatred in you. Like, you can't just be hopping and skipping and holding hands and and eating Skittles as you're doing it. And, you know, that, that phrase that he said came back up. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, like. We have a measure of hatred. Psalm 139, do not hate those, Lord, who hate you. Do I not hate them with a perfect hatred? Like we have a measure of that that we don't weaponize. And most of the time we just put baby in a corner. And so it's it's just wild because I've had confirmation from God about several things. Like I I did a read of football. I should have played football. I should have acted. I should have been in bands. Um, I I don't know if you know a band called Avenged Sevenfold, but those like Jimmy, the drummer, was one of my best friends. Okay. Um, so we, we grew up in Huntington Beach. Um, we were in bands before they were even a band. And so like just the most wild connections, worked at the Playboy Mansion for five years. Um, I've seen everything. And I'm laughing because I, I think it was maybe like five or six years ago, God's like, yeah, holy. And I'm like, oh God, set apart? Like why? You know, it's like one of those things where like we endeavor to go down our path and do our thing. And we don't always see like what God's doing behind the scenes of it. But my whole community, it's been nothing but like either tier one guys or career, you know, career police, SWAT guys. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I'm like, okay, so this is, this is, I trained, I've been a firearms instructor. Um, I've, I've trained my whole life and I'm laughing because like, this is why this is all hitting critical mass on our watch. And especially with like the next Jesus and beers, the goal is to, we're going to use ourselves on display as flawed men that are going to hash out some big ticket things. And the other part, and I've been getting some, <clears throat> excuse me, some godly counsel, um, about a week and a half ago, almost two weeks ago, I'm walking out of my bedroom. It's like three o'clock in the morning. And I look down and I see this like postcard in my hands. I'm like, that's weird. It's not there. And I look down and I, I kind of get a, a glance at it. And then it starts to come back to mind. It's this white postcard that says, I'm sorry you've been lied to. On the right-hand side is a QR code. Below that is the Father Foundation logo that that I'm, I've, I've been sitting on for over a year. And basically what it is, like... I, I just kind of saw it in my mind's eye. I'm like, you scan a QR code and in all these different languages, it basically says, I'm sorry, you've been lied to. You need to leave the country as soon as possible. If you don't, your death will be on your hands. We cannot protect you. What's coming for this country will consume everything in its path. That's not, you know, pretty much anchored down. And I, I, I've briefly spoken to a handful of people and I've, I've even spoken to a couple of guys who are like, we will fund printing that thing. I'm like, well, how many up for it? They're like about 50 million seems a good number. And then let people, let citizens put the effort into their own hands because everyone's like, what can we do ourselves? And your signature's on that letter. Okay, that's a letter. And and we all know that we're all going to back it up and, and, and the average person, the average father is going to have to put his money where his mouth is and back up our forces. But this also allows and alleviates the burden of the death of innocent, potentially innocent people. We know there's a bunch of like, you know, enemy combatants here, but potentially innocent people, it alleviates the burden of their, their blood on our hands. And then all of a sudden, because when I looked down that, that little postcard in my hand, it said Ezra, and I knew what it meant, Ezra 7. And I, I know you know the Bible, but you know, King Xerxes from the movie 300 is in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, and if, 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 if when people find out, they're like, that's crazy. But if you look at Ezra 7, so, you know, what does it say? It says you can do four things and the four things everyone's like, well, that seems a little extreme. I'm like, actually not considering. And if we do these four things, if, if we, at least we warn them, we're going to be fine. We're going to be absolved. Um, it basically says that you can, no, oh, here it's right here. It's good. It's relevant. Yeah. Uh, it says whoever will not observe the law of your God, which is first and the law of the King the country, you know, the people, let judgment be executed speedily on him, whether it is death, banishment, confiscation of goods, or imprisonment. So now we have a biblical legal precedence as to how we're to basically approach enemy combatants that are not willing to comply the laws of our God or the nation. And if we do this, and this, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying what I felt in my spirit, if we do this, first off, God will be pleased People will leave. Excess casualties will be mitigated to the best of our ability. Once that's done, it truly is up to us in prayer and then God's grace and providence to see what he wants to do from there. But we've, dude, that, that's as much engagement as we can put into the hands of the general public and basically say, like, you can walk up to community center with 50 of these things and start passing them out. You can litter them on the ground. You can put them in windshields. And just plaster it. it. Like if one person gives a postcard, okay, that's weird. If 50 people, 100 people do it, 200 people over and over and over again, they're going to be like, oh, shit, this is serious. Yes, deathly serious. 
And at that point, you know, the, the verbiage is the kicker. And then I don't know, dude, I don't know if it's going to be my face or someone else's face, but I have a feeling it's going to be my face. Um, my face is going to be the one on the video saying like, you know, when you go to that QR code, like you need to leave. I'm sorry. You, you were led here to completely false pretenses, man. They're promising them housing jobs and citizenship. Oh, dude, I know. And here's the worst part about it. They're already signing the the contracts in ink to fly them out of here. And here's what the what the intel I'm getting, which is shows you the game that's being played. Military industrial complex is not liking how things are going, and they're not getting the money that they're being paid. They're being offered, so they're working now behind the scenes to get Trump in, which means it's going to be a hack of a hack on the system, so that they'll get the contracts to now go full tilt tyranny and round everybody up and send them out. That's how bad this is. Dude, no one wins. No, no one, one wins. Yeah, there's, it's, there's, it's a zero-sum game. It's a forever war is what they want. And it, and it's constantly pitting things against each other. So, Patriots, I am really honored and excited about our guest today. This is Stephen Prouse. Now, you will know him, and this is um, Fourth Watch. Is that right, Stephen? Is that correct? That's correct. Fourth yeah. Watch. And you will know him from when we start talking. If you don't know his the Fourth Watch, you'll know his voice and you'll know how he is. He is a powerhouse in kingdom, loving the work he's doing. He's an intercessor prayer warrior and he's leading the way and literally raising up kingdom in a mighty way to really wage the war against principalities. So came across his work online as God works. He started following one of our channels. I believe it was on TikTok. And Nikki was able to engage with him, and we're really honored today to have you on, Stephen. So how are you? I'm wonderful, man. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Yeah, it's pleasure. Great. Well, let's start with a little bit about your background so Patriots can kind of get to know who you are. Um, I mean, the, the most notable of which I'm a pastor's kid, but the bad kind. My horns held up my halo most of my life. Um, I uh, always always knew God was there. It was never a question of that, but it was always a matter of, you know, how I'm walking that out. Um, I was, uh, the son to a Pentecostal pastor and a, um, sheriff's corrections officer that ended up running jails, uh, leading, leading classes at the, um, uh, at a training facility, uh, that was responsible for, I think, seven counties and several other agencies. So I, I grew up with a law enforcement family, uh, parents divorced when I was four. Uh, dad actually wasn't around probably until I was maybe eight years old. But when I was eight, he then started having me go with him. He was the organ player for TBN, for the Praise the Lord show five nights a week in uh, Southern California. And so <laughs> I just somehow got thrown into this this situation where I'm surrounded by what were the first megachurch pastors. And um, to be honest, I didn't have any appetite for him. I saw one person on camera and I saw a different person behind the scenes. Uh, I grew up. I am pretty much like the fat kid that was sequestered at home and I played Legos and read the dictionary because that's all we had because we were incredibly, incredibly poor. And I learned a bunch of $3 words. And so all of a sudden I, I get into high school. I was kicked out of junior high for fighting. I go into high school to play football. I'm horrible. I have no physicality. That all changed by the time I'm a senior. Uh, then I blow out my knee. I don't play football. And then that just kind of sets me on this trajectory of um, training martial arts. I am uh, dabbling in, in everything from music engineering, computer engineering, website development. And it kind of starts me on this hybrid you know, career in technology and financial services, as well as playing in bands, as well as um, 
doing a lot of things. I basically kept myself very busy. Fast forward, all my friends, uh, closest friends are either career law enforcement or military. And so as I went forward, uh, a life of training, I became a firearms instructor. Um, I, I I can't even tell you just how many different, like, it almost seems like I feel like I've lived five or six lifetimes over. But um, I had a son when I was 24 out of wedlock. And um, something happened uh, about the time that uh, I was 27, 28, I'm 45 now. And I really started to talk to God differently. Um, actually, a, a custody battle ensued. And so, you know, it better believe me, that'll, that'll throw me into the pit of, you know, fasting and praying and and contending. And, you know, I, I I never really had a heart for church, but I loved my pastor at the time. He's a father in the faith. His name is Bayless Conley. Um, he still, he's still staying in close contact, but ended up becoming a security, um, you know, protector at the church, security volunteer, ended up leading teams. And then that snowballed into training other security teams. And basically bootstrapping and training myself with the Holy Spirit in spiritual warfare. And so about 15 years ago, I think I started, I've always been woken up at three o'clock in the morning, something happened. And I finally just get up, I walk outside and I'm just like, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed at God. I'm annoyed that he keeps waking me up. And we start having a conversation. This conversation basically just turns into this long prayer. Next thing you know, I discover this word intercession. And I've heard it before. It's kind of kooky. A bunch of old people, you know, old ladies with blue hair were, were just singing its praises. And I'm like, I, I have no clue what you're talking about. And next thing you know, I'm praying for, you know, my community, my church, my pastors, that I'm praying for the area, that I'm praying for the region, that I'm praying for the country, that I'm praying for countries, and I'm praying for nations, and I'm praying for militaries, you know, for and against. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hashing this out. So the way I speak to God, and as you close that distance, you really do get a different perception based off your anointing and calling of how you actually speak to the enemy forces as well. And the biggest thing that, you know, people naively think is, oh, Ephesians 6, I just had to put on my armor. Like, okay, armor was meant for a warrior class to go into battle, not to just take hits. And the body of Christ, for the most part, is just taking hits. And so as soon as I find Matthew eleven twelve. Everything changes. Um, I see that as almost, you know, God saying, full send. I've I've raised you, I've kept you, I've I've set you apart. And I have a particular, you know, gas tank of hatred. Uh that we were just talking about that last night. I had my grandfather teach me from the grave. And I believe all of us are vessels of God's love, but within that vessel of love is gas tank of love in general and hatred, hatred for what God hates. And it's the simplest way to explain it. Love what God loves, hate what God hates. And then just keep pressing into the spirit. Like if you're not growing spiritually, you're 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 dying, you're falling behind. And we have the honor of rising every single day, of dying to self and killing off the old man that was alive yesterday and rising each day on the offensive. It sounds exhausting until you realize calling affects each one of us differently. And it's it's been an absolute honor to rise on the offensive on behalf of God, you know, family, you know, kingdom, country. And to to cover a lot of other people in ways, and I've seen miracles happen. I've I've participated in them, but the, the biggest thing that I've seen, and and that I, I say it's a miracle because again, like I'm not that smart. If it's not for God and what He's shown me, I, I have nothing. Um, and we're watching prophecy unfold in a way that most of the world is very very blind to because either woeful ignorance because, you know, God blinds people, we blind ourselves, and the enemy blinds people. But regardless, I've seen this coming a mile away. It was probably 2000 and 
15, 16, especially when Trump was elected, I'm like, this isn't good. Cause in my gut, I just felt like the pendulum is swinging farther and farther. And I already knew that we were at the end, getting close to the end of 6,000 years. Um, and then there's this little thing about, you know, five-year-old me having these dreams of war before I ever saw a GI Joe cartoon and had my father try and rebuke demons out of me. <laughs> I'm like, sorry, old man. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't think it's demons. And um, he basically, I grew up in this, like many of us did. I grew up under this umbrella of, oh no, we're just gonna get raptured out. We're, we're just gonna get a hall pass. You know, Jesus, Jesus loves us. And I just, there's something in my spirit that was so grieved at that because all it told me was like, wait a second, I can't reconcile how God loved his own son so much. He sacrificed him, but he loves us so much. He gives us a hall pass out as just, and I'm not saying that there's not going to be a rapture. There might be several raptures. Like I'm, I'm allowing God to do what God does. I have to do what I do. If he's wired me to have a heart to lead and I, if, with a perspective of a revival on the way down, no matter what comes, it's revival. If, if, if it's, if the sun is shining, it's revival. It's, if it's complete, you know, the darkest darkness, it's revival because revival starts with me. And then God willing, the circle I'm with, I can curate that group. You know, I'm, I'm surrounded by people I can go to war with both in the natural and the spiritual. And no matter what, we have the honor and opportunity of leading people on the greatest rescue mission a yard from hell, but we have to lead ourselves first. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited. This is, um, you know, it's almost like I'm living my life, you know, in exile where I already feel like I'm one foot there and one foot here. There's a bunch of, you know, stories and wins and random things, but I've, uh, I've traveled the world. That's a long way of basically saying I've, I've traveled to a lot of places doing intercession, uh, you know, walking and praying from three to six o'clock in the morning, leading teams and groups of people doing that internationally. Uh, my favorite place to actually do it is, is of all things, Jerusalem. When you see that sunrise at the Mount of Olives, uh, nothing else really suffices. So it's, um, it's been an honor to serve the kingdom. I, I'm looking forward to continuing to do so. And, you know, I'm grateful for the time. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's awesome to hear your story. I have a a different story, but in the same way, a, kind of a brokenness and randomness that ends up that God calls. And when, like when he called me, I literally, um, and I, I gave this as testimony. And I'm, I don't know, like 2,600, 2,700 episodes now, but at episode 64, I gave this as testimony to literally where I'm going through life and I'm doing my thing and I'm bouncing around the fringes of God and, and bumping in and bumping away. Until finally he called me, and his way of calling me was literally having me picked up by a U.S. Marshal and thrown in jail for 20 days without charge. And facing that on day one, when I go into a cell, and I'm looking at this guy that's a complete skinhead with a swastika on the wall, and I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a very long night. And he turns to me and gives his name, which is Chris Metzger, and the only Metzger that I knew was a skinhead leader on the West Coast named Metzger. They they'd stomped the head in a, on an Ethiopian young man up at Portland State. I was going to say, man, that, that name sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, well, keep going. Well, no, 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 you're right, because it was down where you were. So he was down from the same area in California. So you would know the name, probably, because he was not unknown. And so here I'm looking at this guy, Chris Metzger, and he's got tats all over him, and I'm like, what is going on? And he turns to me, and he says... He looks behind him and he goes, oh, that. He says, sorry about that. He goes, I've been trying to get the guards to give me something to clean that off with for days, but they won't do it. And then he looks at me and he says, good thing God put us together. He puts us together for amazing ways. And at that very moment, I felt like I was going to have an aneurysm. 
I mean, my that was like Holy Spirit. I now understand now that was Holy Spirit hitting me at such a level that my brain was literally being rewired in real time. Amen. And at that moment, I was given a choice. And a few hours later, it was choose me or go the other way. And I said, I'll choose you. And I've never turned back. And it's just been lit on fire. Day four, I was in, they moved me out of a, a common block into a, another block and or day three. And the first thing that comes up, there's a young Native American guy that comes up and he hands me a Bible. He says, you're not going to survive without this. And then it was on fire from there. So totally get where you're at. I knew nothing about intercession, knew nothing about deliverance. And just every step of the way, God just keeps opening the doors and goes, here. And so it's just been this high-speed act of movement in, since 2017 and just on fire. And I'm just totally on fire for this for this fight. And everything about my life just all of a sudden came in alignment. And you went, that's why you had me here. Or at least if the enemy was involved in it, this is how you've used everything to bring me to this point, right? So everything, you're, be, ta everything you're talking about, I'm just totally on board with. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I became a missionary junkie in 2017. I, I went from disaster relief to renovating bomb shelters in Israel to going all over the place because I all of a sudden everything tastes the same. Work, money, um, you know, any any facet of success. If I, you know, had another steak dinner, there was probably like a couple of years where I, I couldn't even go into like a nice restaurant because that was, you know, my career before was, you know, basically like over glorified sales where I'm just, you know, schmoozing people. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I still enjoy a good steak, but I'm laughing because there's something about that that period where people were stirred almost like ahead of time. And I like for me, you know, people have tried to put a bunch of labels on me. I'm like, listen, I'm I'm just, you know, I'm kind of God's monster, if there's a thing, or I think someone once called me a wartime pastor. Um, it's it's more like I I realize that God's seasons, you know, God's ways are not our ways. And how many years did I thrive and did his grace? I just, I honestly, I consumed his grace like a fire hose that just ran wide open the entire time. And I, man, I, I should have been dead several times. Like it just, I, it, he's ingratiated me in ways which I've, I, I will never deserve. And you look back hindsight and on one hand, you know, it had to happen. On the other hand, I made plenty of mistakes along the way, right? We're making omelets, right? We're going to break some eggs. And it's just cool to see how God is weaving his people together at a time that is honestly, it's if we're just at that critical mass stage, because all these pillars, God is slowly removing pillar after pillar after pillar of society, whether it be fame, celebrity, health, wealth, all the things that we think were things to pursue or things to just numb us, right? We're trying to obtain pleasure. Or, or, or potentiate peace and try and somehow secure peace for ourselves, which doesn't come outside of Christ. And the fact that he's been weaving all these things together and calling us forward. But now, in the last three years, it's been one thing. The last year, it's been a whole separate group of people come forward. And even then, I feel like in the last three or four months, there's been such a stirring. And the only thing, and we, we briefly talked about it before we started recording, but the only thing that really starts to connect dots for me is that the Holy Spirit is pulling out Joel 2. The enemy spirits, the only way to understand it is that the second heaven in Revelation 18, where it says, you know, uh, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, right? So Babylon is a demonic government system. And so if that second heaven has fallen for the first time, that's the demonic realm falling to earth. And we're like, why is everything on fire? 
on steroids, right? Why is it like sexual depravity on steroids? Like sin of every kind is just completely amplified, you know, full tilt, out the gate, no holds barred. And God's like, and you, you think the devil has more resources than me? You think that the devil can somehow out, you know, win me at a, at a match that he doesn't even write the rules to? And it just hit me like, oh my gosh, all these people are just letting the Holy Spirit's power and authority completely go by unchecked. And so I don't, I don't know who's waking up in the morning and who's fighting and contending with God and who's basically saying, I desire spiritual gifts. I desire anointing. I desire clarity. I desire, you know, purpose and calling to be manifest and to come forward. But I, I do believe if gentlemen like you, your people, your circles, right, the, the things that you've done, people in my circles, and all of a sudden realize like this is a Holy Spirit, you know, splintered cell to where he's got people everywhere. If we play our part full tilt, throttle wide open, this is going to be not just the greatest rescue mission in the yard to hell. This is going to be the adventure that every generation of believer was hoping to have, except for our our current soft, watered down, domesticated, you know, fraction of what it's supposed to be body of Christ. And we, we know this too. We're supposed to basically inspire others to to really put, you know, higher octane fuel in the gas tank of their faith. And what's going to happen? Just like Daniel 11 says, people will come because of our exploits and because of the intrigue of them basically wondering about our God, which already shows you, like there's so many books of the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is going to be on display in the book of Acts on steroids. And basically, I almost look at it like God's looking around saying, all right, who wants in? And so here's what's That's awesome. When, when you, the things that you're saying here, everyone listening here has heard me say, and this is why I love, because these are all confirmations when they happen. So the greatest rescue mission, that's words that have come from me. And I'm not saying they're, they're God's words, but I'm just saying for you to say them, it's like there's confirmation, right? Amen. The whole concept, the whole three words given that were, and this was this, I mentioned before we started today, I mentioned Operation Vineyard. And Operation Vineyard, the three words that define Operation Vineyard that God gave were rescue, heal, restore. And those words, and I, there's a, friend of mine, Pastor Brad Cummings, and I, I gave this to him one day and he goes, his comment was, he says, you're a smart guy, but you're not that smart. He goes, those are three words that would take a lifetime of study to understand that that's what the entire Bible's about. And God must have given those to you. I said, well, he did, but I mean, he was his confirmation, right? So this is the, this is really the power of where God's working right now. And he's bringing in these, these firing heart, these hearts that are on fire for him. that are literally like you saying, and it was just incredible how we are moving into this time and everything you're saying here, and I've been, this is our big mission here is to wage war within the principalities and within the spirit because if people don't understand that that's where the primary warfare battle plane is. If you try to fight in the flesh, all we're doing is creating a perpetual war and falling into to Satan's trap, literally. And that war that we are waging in the spirit and everything you've been doing, it's one of the reasons I've really enjoyed following your doc, your stories. And your, your documentation of those stories is that is what you're doing and how you're leading people. And that is truly the power of where we walk in the anointing, which we are walk as the children of the most high. Amen. So you had a great piece that came up recently and I, I loved it because you had pastors in a, it was a garden setting and you had pastors there and you challenged them in a great way. You're asking them like, how many people here teach end times theory? And then you, or, in revelation theory. And then you go on to like how many people teach about the remnant 
and you did this great little thing. It's like, oh, you think you're going to haul past? I'd like to get out of here. Talk a little bit about that engagement because that was awesome. It was on fire, and it forced the pastors to really confront the teachings they were given, which to me is all rooted in false teachings anyway. So it's completely skewed to what the Bible says. And, and it's, yeah, and it's it's like, you know, we're the recipients of a generational long game that the enemy has successfully infiltrated the church and compromised the church. But that, that setting was, it was a kingdom men's gathering event. And it's funny too, because two people backed out. I, I love them to death. Don't think anything otherwise of them, but, you know, my buddy David Engelhart and then Eddie Penny had to back out just to travel conflicts and schedule conflicts. And so all of a sudden, like, we're kind of scrambling. We get Mike to go, then Frank goes, and I go. And I'm sitting here like, I, you know, people are here to, 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 to see David and, and, and especially Eddie. And I'm like, God, what do you want to talk about? And as I'm there, he has me pull up the messages from the women where, oh my gosh, I think I read five or six messages where women from like a woman in her twenties to grandmothers in their sixties are saying that they want to be warriors for God. And I looked around and I said, all right, God, it's full send. And then I just, I get inspired and I'd say, how many, um, how many men here are, are fathers to daughters? And then, you know, I see at least half the area. It's like, cool. Um, granddaughters, it's 30% of the room. Like, okay. Uh, how about wives? You have wives? <laughs> of course, more hands. And I'm like, how many of you want your, you know, ladies in your family to message a stranger on social media saying, I can't find strong Christian men. Please teach me how to be a warrior. Silence. Wow. And, and it's because I'm, I, I, I'm trying to reconcile something, and it's I had to repent to God, and I'm, I'm late and overdue on the video. I have to make a, a pretty strong, and I've, I've been studying it at length, and God's even thrown me another squirrel, but et cetera. It's the it's the it's a Hebrew word for helper that God gave Eve, and the human language, the English language, our, our human you no know, fallibility has messed up the delivery of that word to such a tragic travesty. Um, it basically, if women knew that that was the name that Israel called on God on nineteen times to help them in times of military battle, and then called on other nations twice to come and defend them militarily means the identity of a woman in christ a part of the body of christ the spiritual neck that turns the spiritual head of the home is yes to come in guns blazing weapons hot attacking the enemy to help defend and stave off what their you know what their spiritual leader is engaged in and i i and it's it's crazy so i started making the video probably like two or three times and every single time and it's not of my choosing. I honestly keep forgetting about it. I actually start the video by asking forgiveness of women on behalf of the church for not teaching them their identity. Yeah. And I, I listen. I'm not, I'm not one. By no means is the church saying like, "Hey, you are representative." Not at all. It's just on behalf of like what women believe is the church. Because I feel personally, if they had that identity we would be looking at a completely different class of women that is equipped, is engaged, that is, that is just, it has, is radiating with spiritual beauty in a way that they wouldn't have fallen into all the trappings of everything the world has done. Well, let me tell you about a couple of things here. I think it's really important. First of all, there's a couple of words that were given on New Year's Day 
and they've been building to this and kind of the three directions, the three pillars that God has me lined up on this year, which I think you'll appreciate. This first word was given actually back in November, which is the theme for 2024 was restoring or rebuilding the church, one of the two. And I'll probably end up using restoring as it seems to be, but literally that is framed on the idea that the current church is built around dead stone walls, what I call skinny jean pulpits and marshmallow pews. And literally that it's the blowing of the walls out of the church and letting the Holy Spirit rise again to understand that the true church is within us and then we bring it into the world. The second part of this, as we are moving forward into this, is literally raising up the shepherds, the spiritual shepherds. And this was a piece that I did last Friday that was just complete Holy Spirit. It was literally the difference between stewards and shepherds. Stewards repair the glass on a broken window of a house. Stewards mow the lawn. Stewards paint the house. Stewards make sure the plumbing works. Stewards make sure the fences are right. But shepherds are the Davids. And they're the Davids are stepping out there and protecting the flock. And this word really came to me. I have cattle here and going out because we had one of our calves that was killed by a coyote. And I went out late one night. And as I'm walking, this is just recently as I was going out hunting coyotes, it was the understanding of that mission of like after 1230 at night when you're getting ready for bed and you hear the coyotes, you're throwing your boots back on and you're going to strap up and you do and you're going hunting. And you're, you're doing it because it's the calling of what it is to be a shepherd and how that translates into our real world, especially with regards to children. And then the third element of that, the third part that God provided was a glimpse into mission. And the mission that we are always doing is trying to travel around the world. And the mission now is go to your local communities, go to your neighborhoods. This is where the mission is. And it's literally based on that short list, what, what Pastor Dave Bryan at, at uh, the Church of Glad Tidings calls Jesus' short list. It's spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, healing the sick and the broken, casting out demons and raising the dead. And in that, in that place to be able to engage your neighbors and your friends in that way. So I'll throw it back to you for some comments. The uh, the motto for the fifth horseman is a shield for the hopeless and hurting, a sword for the Lord of War. Nice. So it's like all these all these things are are vectored there. Like our job and the mission first and foremost is to tend after those that are broken, that are lost, that are afflicted. The you know the widows and orphans. It's always been that. It's always been the case. And instead, we have acquiesced and sacrificed our mandate and our mission on behalf of government. So government becomes God. Mm-hmm. And when we see how, you know, all these handouts have been, become such a, it's such a detriment, right? And people are thinking like, oh, no, this is modernity. And this is, you know, this mm-hmm. is separation of church and state. And like, it's not in a good way, in a bad way, actually. And mm-hmm. so the, the more that the church has allowed the government to own that space of benevolent giving and looking after the community, that's why I, I joke around all the time. You have these these mega churches in, in these cities that are dead. I mean, they're surrounded by spiritual and physical death, financial death. And yet they have the perception of thriving. And it's like no one's ever stopped to say, like, this didn't seem right. Something's out of order. And so the fact that, you know, God's allowing us to reset and listen, I, I, I love the fact that they're making these, you know, prophecies, you'll own nothing and be happy. Listen, it's kind of biblical. And so, you know, God's basically like saying, Hey, you're getting hit from both ends. First and foremost, we, we war against everything in prayer. We rebuke and curse every bad report. We reject it to the core, but we also say, God, your will be done. And we, we go forward in such an esteemed way that's so, you know, biblically based and full of hope 
that what we're in essence doing in our spiritual warfare becomes one of plundering and robbing and plundering is all throughout the Bible. It's, it's such, I think I was standing outside the Vatican. It's probably like five or six days as I'm making like open declarations against it. Um, that word came up quite often, but we're robbing the enemy's intended outcome for our lives. And the intended outcome is fear. It's lack, it's poverty, it's poverty in spirit. Even if we have nothing like we're going to be on fire for God. We're going to be doing things that we don't need money. It's, and it, I, I, I say this not, there's no tipping in my hat or, or toot in my horn. Um, August 26, I walked around the entirety of Manhattan Island. It's 36 miles, 76,000 steps. Um, I, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't start off with the intention of doing it. I started off with the intention of walking from, you know, from Wall Street up the east side across 110th, which is the top of um, uh, Central Park, and then down on the west side. And then back. I'm like, cool, seven hours, maybe eight hours, maybe nine. Uh, you know, I wanted to start at 5:30 in the morning. I started at 10:30. And I I get to 110th Street and I keep walking. I'm on this little park on the side. It's like run down, a bunch of homeless guys threaten to kill me and rape me. Rape me. How how about that? How about you know my giant six foot seven, 280-pound self and some skinny black guy saying he's gonna rape me because <laughs> the, the demons are having a, a good right. run. Exactly. Uh <laughs> I laughed off the past him like that. That might be the last thing that you tried. Dude, are you serious? Are you uh, six, seven? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I it's hard to tell from your videos. That's really impressive. Okay, go ahead. Uh, all, all the pastors I've guarded have always, like, my nickname was always Nephilim. Like, where's a Nephilim? Um, and so I, I get to 110th, I pass it, go up to 111th, and I'm sitting in this little, um, little, uh, little defunct bench overlooking the river, and I text David Engelhart. I say, hey, man. Because I, I mean, I, we're officing together, like living a block from each other. Like the assignment was support him while God have him move his church from a perfectly functioning lease space to the streets of New York City for the summer. And it's it's coolest. That's a whole separate story. And I texted him and said, "Hey, bro, um, just make sure we're clear. Like I'm good to just cut across and walk across 110th." And within 30 seconds, he's like, "Oh yeah, of course, no problem. Yeah, you can just cut across. You don't do it anymore." And I, I looked, I'm like, oh, thank God. I leave the text open. I just kind of stare at the water for a second. Take another breath and just look down. And I see dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, oh, no. No. No, don't, no, don't do it. Don't do it. You're not going to do it. And then <laughs> the text pops up and says, actually, I think you're supposed to walk around the whole thing. And I mean, part of you, I just said shit. And I, I'm like, Okay. Okay. And so I, sure enough, I walk across the bridge and I'm now in Harlem and then that starts my walk. I think it's, I think it was Harlem and that starts my walk up. I'm the biggest, you know, I'm half Mexican, but you wouldn't tell. I look more Italian than anything, but there definitely aren't Italians up there. I'll tell you that much. And so I, I start walking through in the middle of the day and I get all the way up to the very top of the Island at about dusk. And I have no idea where I am. I'm following, you know, just, the whatever Google Maps is showing me, um, I did plan ahead and I brought like a you know battery backup, but I do that everywhere. And lo and behold, um, I finished the walk at four thirty in the morning uh, the following day, and I, I I couldn't actually walk. I get to the pier that I was at. I posted up and we did a lot of spiritual warfare praying in the morning. Of course, I yell at the top of my lungs at the city for about 15 minutes, full of energy, full of vigor, can't even feel my feet. And the moment I'm done, 
I feel like God is pleased. And I start walking back to to my apartment that I sublet off Wall Street. It took me 45 minutes to go 0.3 miles. Couldn't walk. And I say this because like, there's a version of me that died on that walk. May, at least one, if not several. And I, I, I say this because like God has not called this generation to do the soft things and the easy things. And I, I look at those situations where the Holy Spirit was with me the whole time. And when I say robbing the enemy of his intended outcome, I'd already been fasting. Like I was like, I'm going to get a steak. You know, I'm gonna go to, there's a nice place that's down there at Wall Street. Like I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this. And I was fasting already for a couple of days. And all of a sudden I found myself saying bread of life, bread of life, bread of life. And I just, my hunger was gone. I didn't even eat for another, I think, day and a half after that. And my feet were destroyed. Like there were bruises. And then I made the, you know, fun trek across the uh, Atlantic about a week later. And I was walking around the Vatican for about 12 days. Um, I'm saying that because the enemy first and foremost wants to rob you of everything. Right, your hope, your faith, your time, your your joy, especially your joy, and this this warfare, especially that we walk out in the natural, becomes one where we get to steal everything, every intended outcome that the enemy wants to afflict us with. He doesn't have it. He doesn't get it. He, even before, like he thinks, like oh, I've got him now. Doesn't have it. And I'm not saying that you need to be militant. I'm just saying that you get to be. I'm not saying that you have to war in the spirit or in the flesh, but you get to. I'm not saying that you have to have this perspective and this mindset, but you get to. Because the opposite side of that is either dull or distracted or weaker than or less than or always on the receiving end of hits and never on the offensive. And I, I again, like God's had me in this little training boot camp for decades. And so I'm just now that we're here and all this stuff is hitting critical mass and all these things are opening. Like even the Jesus and beers thing. I re recorded that in August of last year, uh, two, you know, 22. And so I didn't have like any peace or permission to release it. And then about like a month and a half or two months ago, all of a sudden the fire hose gets opened up and the Holy Spirit's like, now do it now. And then snowballs and then all these things happen. And then now we, we've got the next one planned for Dallas, but I do what the, the timeline of this has been, accelerated in a way that does match up with prophecy where like the days will be shortened. We all feel compression. We all feel like the enemy's pouring himself out. Like all these things are happening much more, you know, in an expeditious manner. And, and we have the honor of meeting the enemy in open battle. I don't think people are doing it. And I, I do believe that even praying in tongues, desiring spiritual gifts, going on the offensive and prayer against things, not just praying for things, but against things, like we're leaving so much on the table. God's like, listen, the work is going to get done, but it'd be a lot cooler if he had more people, you know, all hands on deck. So, man, what you're doing, like where we're just all corporately aimed at and the, and the people I'm seeing wake up in faith that were, they just weren't even alive before it felt like uh, I'm, I'm honored because I'm, I'm, I'm watching people that, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, the, the modern corporate church has written off and I kind of like, good, like you're not my people anyways. Like you are my people. I'm going to look after you. And then uh, I don't know if you know this and sorry, I'm, I'm hogging up the mic time, but um, that we have a biblical precedent of 1%, 1% of the body of Christ goes to war. Joshua took 40,000 troops into battle 
purportedly it's about 4 million people in the wilderness that left Egypt, including the rabble. Along with that, um, you have Gideon, 32,000 troops, takes 300. And by the way, everyone says, well, Gideon didn't kill people. He absolutely did. Like they chased the Midianites. They, they ran them down. They captured Zeba Zamuna. And the best quote in the book of Judges, rise yourself and kill us for as a man is, so is his strength. And now we're here and I'm looking around the body of Christ, especially the ones that are, you know, trying to get super cerebral and Gnostic about like all the things that they learn and that they know. And then all the ones that are like crapping on Christmas and crapping on holidays. And then all the ones that are just like, no, you can't cuss, you can't drink, you can't put Jesus in beers. And like super religious, like God is kicking up the dust and he's allowing these people to air and vocalize their positions and their beliefs. Why? Because he's, he's stirring things up and we are, we're caught up in this great cloud of, of, of stirred, you know, faith. And I believe that what God's doing is God's actually waking up his remnant, his, especially his 1% that's going to go to war and it's going to go weapons hot. And I think as, as I've heard another broadcaster, this is going to go weapons hot. We, we have the honor of walking into the season ahead, aware of that. And, and as much as we're trying, man, I know you're aiming to the same goal. We're trying to get people to walk into the season ahead on their feet instead of on their knees. hundred percent. I think that thing that I, I, my perspective on this is if we aren't waging the insignificant battle in the spirit and then the principalities and doing these intercessory works and praying constantly towards tearing down strongholds, that phase of weapons hot is going to be horrific. If we get the prayer warrior attack going early on, I just see this in terms of battle. I mean, we are literally severing ties and chains to tie and the connectors, and then you are, you're leaving the enemy vulnerable and exposed. And then that sort of work. I mean, some of this work, there's a great story coming out of, uh, with Pastor Dave Bryan over Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. And I don't know if you follow the story of Anton LaVey, the head of the Church of Satanism, but they went, that he went to war with that church. I just saw those videos. Right. I just saw the videos. Okay, well, Dave Bryan's a great friend of mine. And that's awesome. So that type of warfare, people aren't used to. It's like literally he cut the golden or the silver thread. And the minute he did, Anton LaVey died. So that was an authorized move by God. Or the silver cord, I said silver thread, silver cord. I know what you mean. Yeah. And, and it was the, it's the tether between the body and the spirit. And so there is a level of warfare that we aren't even getting close to right now that has to start being engaged and we have to start letting God work through us and listen to the Holy Spirit and literally like, where do we need to go with this? And so a lot of what in this unique ministry, which is Mars Nation is a very unique ministry. We're in over a hundred countries. There is a, this grew explosively because God led it. And with all this, as we've expanded out here, the focus has been from the very beginning the original name of the channel was Bards of War became Bards FM as it was renamed FM meaning field manual. Bards were storytellers of an old, the old world storytellers of a class of poets that were literally of the people. And the FM became field manual, which is the Bible, the field manual of war. That was as God put on me. So once we start to refocus and relens what the Bible is, I mean, I literally see it that way, that the Bible to me is the tools we need to engage the enemy to decisively engage, pursue and defeat and destroy completely. And there are, you take no prisoners in that realm and how that translates down into the physical. When we talk about like weapons hot, I'm really of that place right now that, and, and interesting because a lot of 
really good communities of people rising up within the special operations group that are getting so deep into the word again. And we're all in the same place. It's like, we need to retool this warfare to where our initial fight is so much in the spirit that if whatever is left is almost like a mop-up operation. And I'm not saying it's quite that simple, but I, I, I think we would agree on that from everything I've seen you doing. Totally. I mean, it's just getting people's fire in the spirit to understand that we can engage this and defeat this. And the, the, I think the manifestation of that that people can relate to is miracle healing. But I mean, I've done the deliverance where I've literally, I had a, we were dealing with a girl that was massively abused. Uh, she, was a, she was part of a Masonic cult and a ritual cult and had been raped, I don't know how many times, beyond count. And she was just completely overtaken by some dark demonic work and literally got into doing some deliverance with her and had this demon literally showing me images of ravaging my family and trying to entice me into fear that I was somehow it's going to overcome me and speaking its name. And I was like, I literally was just like, dude, like we're done now, you know, and you just get this fire of the warrior, which I don't even know where it comes from. I said, I mean, you do, we do as Holy spirit, but it overtakes you to where you're literally like you're gone. And when we start to understand the power of that warfare and you're engaged in those realms, those realms are more real than ours. But the biggest lie in the inversion that we live in is somehow the physical world is all that we are. And that's the big trick. And once we start to flip that and start to walk in, and that's what's really impressed me about what I've followed in your work is you're living in that realm fighting it. That's where we need to be. And I know that when people hear it, if they can understand that message, and I'm, I'm wanting to follow your work more, that's where we need to be engaging all of the time. When that finally comes to that point where it's like God says, okay, now time go, that's like Jericho. That's where God's literally telling them, okay, now it's time the walls have fallen. Now go finish the job. And that whatever's left is very clear that whatever's there is not going to be good. It's all done and it has to be taken out. Right. Amen. And I, I look at the, you know, what's the currency of heaven, right? God doesn't need us. He wants us in. Mm -hmm. I, 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 that's, that's, that's half my philosophy. The other half is we're God's plan A and there is no plan B because plan B is, the end of Malachi 4, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. I don't want the curse. Like if, if we're actually called to be fathers, like bi biblical masculinity is fatherhood. And you got all these guys who are like, we're going to teach you manhood. And these, I, I, I don't have manhood to offer you. I've, I've got a, I've got, you know, trappings of a life of success and failure and engagement and all the throws in between. I can, I can show you my fatherhood I can show you, you know, where I've succeeded and failed. My son is 21. I can show you how I've endeavored to strive based off our heavenly father. And outside of that, like that's all God is asking of us is to reclaim that, that perspective as fathers, right? The hearts of the fathers have to turn to the children because there's only one move. We are the John the Baptist generation with everything that's here, with everything that's going on, right? Like we we're it. And so if we realize that the hearts of the fathers have to rise if we're, if we're taking this seriously, we have to start crying out like John the Baptist, which is repentance. But we, what do fathers do? They lead by example. They correct. They love. They speak. They do all the hard things. They suffer well. And then Psalm 110, 3. Psalm 110 is like the baddest chapter in the Bible for me right now. Starts off with God saying, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Then it goes to verse three. It says, my people will be great. My, well, my people will be volunteers in the great day of my battle or my power. And then all the way to verse seven, the very last line. And you have to read the Hebrew. That's because 
they're not going to tell you this in church, kids. It says that Jesus will lift up the head. And you're like, oh, he's going to like pick, perk up the heads. It's kind of. He's going to lift up the decapitated, beheaded heads of kings that he just killed. That's how Psalm 110 ends. And I, I endeavor to be Christ-like. I hope to God that more people in the body of Christ will be Christ-like. That's not just Christ when he was here. Right. Like we have to, we have to be people worthy of a king's return. If we're worthy of that return, how does Christ return? It's a bloodbath. And it's not one that we are overjoyed at a bloodbath. There's saints in heaven saying, Why will you not judge and, and you know execute judgment? And there's still Christians here for a thousand years. And there are Christians here when Christ returns. I don't know if it's me. I, I, do I want it to be me? Absolutely. Am I going to fight like heaven to make sure I have, you know, I've exhausted myself by the time I get there? Absolutely. I might be an old man when it happens, but I also know that that mindset, that spiritual posture, that spiritual footing, that's something that I need to instill in my son and in my grandkids, God willing. And then I need to look at other men and bring them up and say, like, this is also something that God's calling you to instill because this is biblical fatherhood. And it's, it's, that's why the next Jesus and beer is not to plug it, but it's, it's, we're calling it a father's return because we're basically saying it's a, you know, our father is returning first through his people and then through his son. That's and huge. if there, if there was ever a time for that, I'm inclined to think it's now. I agree with you. I mean, we're really at a, a calling moment in this time. And it is amazing to watch those that have not come about in the traditional ways of the church and to be pulled to this fight into literally uh, in this hour and in, in such a time as this, literally, right? I mean, this is literally where we are. Um, Paul Cantrell, who's, again, brother in Christ, there, his family is here. There's a great story that he tells during this whole COVID con. And I think it just speaks volumes to how God uses yeah, people. I love that. COVID con. That's right. awesome. Love so, it. so he is, he had a, he, he trafficked drugs in his past before he was called. And so uh, his wife and whatever the sickness was, Christine was in the hospital and they were starting to do their thing, which is the protocols to kill people, basically, right? This redemptive ear in the, in the ventilator. And God puts on his heart, he says, I need you to get her ivermectin. And Paul's in a bit of a conflict because he knows how to traffic. He knows how to get through stuff. And God's like, go. So Paul goes in and he traffics and he's... Christine, he gives her the stuff. She's 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 ready, or, you know, good within hours, right? And she says, "Are you trafficking drugs again?" And he says, "For God, you know." She, she laughs. Well, this is what he ends up doing. He ends up teaching people. He calls in the local Christians, and he's teaching them how to get drugs into the hospital. And he's and he's calling on his resources. He's getting ivermectin when we couldn't get it. He saved sixty five lives. I mean, I, I don't know how else to put that. I mean, that's God working and, it's, and, and his way of saying it. I love when he tells a testimony because he's like, God wastes nothing, right? So there we have our past and we, we look at these pasts and the, when we look at what I call the pew marshmallow, they want to look at the pristine, proper, never did anything wrong, but that historically doesn't work. Paul was beheading Christians and called on the road to Damascus and you're like, okay, now rationalize that one for me because that's like as far as you go and then he's in jail and then he's praying and the doors fly open, right? I mean, you're, you've got a man who's, you're, we're seeing the powers of the anointings when they're put upon people and literally being able to walk through the fires and accept that and then transform ourselves into something greater than him. And I think that this is the hour right now when people are willing and I know for my own self, because you mentioned something that's really near and dear to my heart, and you're talking about the family. 
I left, we have our annual Bars Fest, um, which we're going to talk about. I'm going to make sure you come next year. We'll, it'll be in, in Kentucky. And this is just a, a big event of just straight up deliverance, Holy Spirit, great conversations. And we just go all night, literally. And, and it's just, it's incredible. And we had such a powerful Bars Fest. The symbol of this last one was a wheelchair. I just used it because it was the woman that walked, came in in the wheelchair and left it and walked out. I mean, that's literally how we're running, right? So did a hundred baptisms in that event. And then that was baptisms by water and baptisms by fire. So it was, it was going. And in this whole process of, of bringing out the Holy Spirit and getting us there, and I really kind of lost my track on where I was going with this specifically, but the, the, the idea is to raise up that power in the body of Christ, to bring people to a place where they can step in and feel the anointings of God, and then to experience them in such a way that they go back into the world and they're on fire, right? And they bring it. And this is what's been unique about this particular one is everybody that watched it, even on, that was there and online, was touched. And, it's, and we just were being inundated with deliverance questions and things like this. And that's Amen. the Holy Spirit working, right? I mean, that's just like, there's no limits, there's no balance. We will move this thing. So we really need to, as we look at these sorts of events and the time that we're being called, and we're, we're stepping into these powerful anointings that God's giving us, they're there to take. You mentioned this earlier. And so back to the family thing is what I was going, is after Bar's Fest, I... The prayer team says to me, they said, you need to leave in the cover of darkness. Now, my mind, right? Which is probably like your mind. I'm like, okay, something evil's coming, so I got to be prepared. You know, kind of slink out. So I get in my Jeep. I turn on the GPS. It doesn't work. And I'm torn between going south to Florida. And one pastor would call me down to join him. And then north to uh, another group, which I'm going to introduce you to, Michelle and Lee of the Resistance Chicks. They're up in, in, in great ministry, and they're up in Ohio. And I don't really know where I'm going. I'm praying on it. So I leave. And I just, I'm like, okay, it must be the location where I'm at. So I drive down to the end of the drive of this property. GPS still doesn't work. And so I'm like, okay. So I just turn and I start driving. And God says, drive by faith. And all of a sudden I understood why to go by the cover of darkness because I'm out in a rural area. It's not that I can't figure it out. But I mean, it's like I can't even find where I'm at on the physical map at that moment in time. And I end up in Milford. In Ohio, but on the way, I go through the Ark Walk or the Ark Encounter. And I don't know if you've been up there. It's a recreation of the actual Ark. They did a beautiful job on it, really amazing. And every single word I walked through that, I had 20 different audio words on that that I captured in an audio recording, was about going back to the garden, going back to the family, going back to the root. And all of this in starting, so we actually have in the next month or so a, a short documentary coming out about the war on family, which takes us back to Kinsey and Stanger and Aleister Crowley and how they've waged this war on the practices of family and how they've literally dismantled God's, and God put this on me, it was like, it is a special, this was my special operations team to defend against anything satanic. Well, they've tried to dismantle it, right? And as the family has broken down and we have children without fathers, to your point, uh, your, your, the father's piece you're working on, children without fathers. We have the weakening of the family structure. We have children now that because of no fathers and any attack on the families, they're being persuaded to literally change their own gender, which is insane because they're being taught that God's imperfect. All of these things. That centerpiece of the war as we head in this year is going to be so significant because as we raise up the family and understand that we have to start being accountable for this, and to your point, you're being called, but we have work to do. We don't get to sit on the sideline. We don't get to go like, okay, I'm going to just go talk to some school board members and say, can you please, while you're doing that, 
It's just, and in parallel I gave the other night, as I sit here, if I'm sitting here listening to coyotes on my property, they're not just making noise. They're out circling, trying to nip at the heels of some calf to paralyze it and then to be able to feed on it. And that's exactly what they're doing to the children. And so this yep. is really where the call of the fathers has to step in and we have to go, okay, what are you going to do now? Because it's not, you're going to sit here and say, well, I'm going to, I'll just vote you out of office because you're in the school board. In the meantime, how many children are getting absolutely ravaged and, and, and besieged by the corruption of pornography, the corruption of these sexual practices, the belief in telling them that you're imperfect, the idea of telling them that you should feel guilty and now so you're so guilty you need to change your gender. When is that going to stop? And we have to get that fire. And I know you've got it in your messages and it's, it's refreshing. I'm just be honest because it just, we're not finding enough of it, but we need to elevate everything we have. It's, it's cool too, because, you know, cause the goal is to be poured out. I like, like, and I, I have this phrase, you know, die faster, live longer, like die to yourself as fast as possible and start living start living the way that like you know people are, are chasing all these different things especially peace these days and and what they're really after is significance but not to the world right? that, that, that that's vanity it's smoke but significance to god which means are you in your lane are you running your race are are you because right like you know god's like the holy spirit's like this dance partner and sometimes he's leading and sometimes we're leading we're going back and forth and you know i i i want to i want to die where i'm I'm all the way over my skis, man, because that's, it's faith. It's, it's what faith is. It's like running with scissors with your faith. And the, the more that we play it safe, it, God's still going to do what God does. Again, it's just, it, he's looking at us like it'd be a lot cooler if you guys actually, you know, got yourselves together and got in the fight and realized your identity and your power and your authority. And we're the ones who are just playing it safe. And, and to think about that, it's like all the unlived life is it's on one hand it's tragic on the other hand it's infuriating but if if you don't even allow yourself to get pissed off right love what god loves hate what god hates if you don't even allow the righteous indignation to boil up within you because you're we're supposed to be a vessel of god's love but we have to love god so much that we hate we hate the fact that kids are being torn up the stuff lahaina right like all the things that we're hearing like they're they're not affecting us immediately and our lives are still going on yet all these little i almost want to call them microaggressions right they're happening and no one's pushing back and there is no sustained offensive against these things and as much as god kept me out of the military uh i i i'm more wired for it, especially as i get older i'm like well you're actually like kind of pouring out the kerosene on this one but I look at it like if we if we do this well, not just right, but if we do it well, right? Not just the good or acceptable, but the perfect will of God. If we live our lives well, this is something where, you know, e even the angels, right? Like, what is it, Roman 8, 9? The whole world is eager, eagerly waiting to see the sons of God rise. And everyone's like, oh, sons of God are angels. No, they're not. Not in the New Testament. That phrase re refers to people that are the direct descendants of God right? And the Bible refers to the Israel of God, right? So it's like, and I'm not going to call us Israelites, but like God's people on display, on the move, on the march, on the offensive. It's right there. And, you know, I'm one guy, you know, we're, we're each one guy and there's, you know, respected people behind it. But that's why, man, this, this is like, this has become such an adventure. And the more that 
right? Like we're, we're geared and wired for adventure. And that's why I feel like if, if more men under really understood their heavenly father, they'd know that like, he's been calling us to adventure the whole time and praise God, we're, we're going to wake up to it. Oh, I agree. And I think that's where we go back to the Gideon model. I need 300. I use that term all the time, right? Just as a reminder, it doesn't have to be specific numbers, but just as a reminder that I have the 31,000 or 32,000 he had, I mean, literally we're paring down to 300. But what happens in that, it's a story we don't think we talk enough about, is what happens after they do the pots of light and they blow the horns. The enemy turns on itself, which I swear is demonic. I mean, like the demons are turning on themselves. They start savaging themselves. And then those that went away woke up and they start to be part of the army that pursues. And I think that's such a powerful realization to what our great mission is here. And it's a great commission. It is, like you said, it's rescue. And it's rescue, heal, restore. We're here to rescue and to bring people into this. And once they're rescued, as Dave Bryant says, save yourself or free yourself, keep yourself free, help others to become free. Those things right there, once they start to realize that freedom, now they're going to pursue it with a vengeance. There's nothing greater than taking somebody that was there in the darkness, awakening them, and watching the fire that they will do for fight somebody else, right? It's really amazing. Go ahead. And, and, and here's, here's what I, I, I even love. With that freedom and, and with the right perspective and the right lens, what you actually end up pursuing is bondage. We are bond servants. We're yeah. bond servants to Christ. That's good. It, it's it's a dynamic. It's like the, right, like Christianity is full of these these paradoxes that do not exist in the natural world. How can you be on your knees in humble submission and contrition, like pouring your heart out? You know, at the same time you're standing boldly before the throne of God. Mm -hmm. How can how can you be not just seeking but experiencing complete freedom, yet also being completely drenched in servitude? Like it, all, you're you're looking at this like it's not supposed to make sense, right? Faith is you have you know we understand what faith is, all right? The substance of things not seen and hoped for, but then we realize we're, we're called to have childlike faith, and without faith you can't please God. And so all of a sudden, like all these things, we're like, wait a second, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. If you're on the outside, it doesn't make sense. But the more that you start pressing in, and really what it comes down to, right? It's destroying unbelief, and it's. It's filtering out the noise to the point that you need to reprogram. People need to reprogram themselves off of the worldly things because the, the world's, the media, social media, television, it's all been programming. And so, right, reprogram right where it comes down. Like, yeah. if, you, if you end up doing that, all of a sudden, all the draw starts melting off, all the confusion. All of a sudden, the noise gets filtered through a different lens and different ears. And that's where you have eyes at sea, ears at hear hearts that understand what i find really interesting in talking to you is the the commonality of the pieces of the bible the segments of the bible that you've zeroed in on that i do too and that's the warrior heart and as you find them and you're drawn to them i go through the i tell people many times go through the red letter language if that's all you're going to read see the authorities you're given and understand what that means right i mean you're literally given the authority to step on snakes and scorpions and dominion over enemy you will do all that Christ does and greater works than he. I mean, that those two right there kind of sum up, like there's no limit to what you can do when you step into these authorities and say, I'm ready to declare them. And I have literally, as you just said, because I use this all the time, burning the dross from the silver so that God can be the new silversmith to forge you again, right? And let that happen and see what happens. And that's the part I think that is, 
you use the terms the ups and downs. We were literally talking about this yesterday, kind of the roller coaster we have in, the, in Christ. In the beginning, it's really extremes, highs and lows. And then as you go over time, there's a mellowing out of that. But you still want those highs and lows because it's what keeps you sharp. It's what keeps your 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 swords polished, right? First Corinthians eleven. It's it's one of the most common passages on communion. But and this is what I believe is is happening. Well, I'm praying directly against it, but it's it's funny, right? But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner. Everyone has taken communion in an unworthy manner where you just go through the motions or you don't really like go the hard posture. So imagine walking into a room, you know, my, my church is back in Southern California, 3,500 people in the main sanctuary three times a day, maybe four, right? So you're taking communion with, you know, 10,000 other people, at least give me one. It's not quite there. So if you eat in an unworthy manner, um, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. Weak, sick, and asleep. Mm -hmm. And then this last verse is the most terrifying. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment." What I believe has happened in the conditions that you've explained, right? The dross, I believe that the body of Christ is sick, weak, and asleep. I think we've done it to ourselves. I don't think there's a lot of people taking communion at home. God forbid, like you go to a Baptist or an Orthodox or a Catholic and say, you can take communion at home. You're like, I can't. Right. Why would I do that? Like they, you actually dissuade themselves from operating on a spiritual footing with God. And you're like, what are you doing? Like it's on one hand, it's tragic. On the other hand, it's it's low-key terrifying because you're looking at casualties of war. You can tell them that, but until they actually feel the weight and the burden of like the Holy Spirit's like waking up, and then then you just get pissed off, and then that's your gas tank, and you want to go out and engage more. You want to do more. You want to pray more. You want to intercede more. You want to free more. You want to, you know, stir up more and kick up more. And all of a sudden, that's, again, like God has left people here that are vessels for these things. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm enamored of the fact that people are waking up to it. It's just like these conversations, right? The brushings up, this has to happen at a micro level. Like there's a company here locally, that's an ammo company that I'm very close to every Wednesday morning inside their office, they hold a Bible study for at least an hour, sometimes goes two out, like two hours. That's awesome. We, they cover each other in prayer. And, and again, like, like, listen, if, if you're out there and you're a gun person, ammo prices are purportedly supposed to go up. I'm praying to God that even if they do, that we have, God's people have the means of procuring and securing everything that we need. And I was even praying to God because in the state, we have a bunch of different manufacturers. And I'm like, God, I'm like, what do you, what do you want to do? How is this coming together? And I just heard audibly, he's like, you have everything you need like within this state and which means my part of my job is to help link these guys together and help each other see, you know, see the value in one another. That's the weight that was on me. Think about I'm one guy in one area. Mm -hmm. How many other people out there are feeling and hearing something and they're just kind of like squashing it. They're sitting on it. And it's like the, the book of Joshua just has some, some lines that are awesome, right? It's, it's where we find out that God tells Moses, stop talking. I've caused Joshua to be sent. Just that one line in itself, God has caused each one of us to be sent to do something. But he's like, I've caused Joshua to be sent for the children to inherit the land. And then as you go forward, before Joshua dies and he's engaged in battle, he's talking to his men and he says, 
it may be that God favors us, that God favors us, and we prevail in battle. He wasn't even trying to be all cocky and arrogant. He spent alone time with God. Like God actually sent Moses out and told Joshua to stay. Mm-hmm. And so even a guy that stood in the presence of God still took it like, oh, maybe it may be that we prevail. That's how much spiritual recklessness we need to be operating with, where it doesn't matter if we prevail. It doesn't matter what we achieve in the natural. It's like we know that God's working all things together for our good. That's the body's good. And and the more that we just keep looking at this life like, oh, this is what we have, and we look to heaven like a destination, it's a transition. Like God's not going to have you sitting up there for a billion years singing holy, holy, holy. I'm sorry. If that's your idea of heaven, that's the most boring, like— I I you, I might just buy my tickets to the other side. I, I'm just saying, like, I'll do the work here. I say that in vain, joking. So everyone calm down. They might hear that and be like, that's sacrilege. Um, God and I have a sense of humor, by the way. So I don't, you trust me, I, I do the same. I'm, I'm notorious for like, God will say stuff. I'll be like, you got to be kidding me. Sure, yeah. I, I'm just always, I, we had the, I'll, I'll let you come back. We had this event. This was a while back. I mean, this was first Bards Fest. And we got deplatformed because of Media Matters. And all the funding was taken away. And so we're at, we're at five weeks, four weeks out, I guess, four weeks out. And I've got some major liability debt on this thing. And I'm like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? And my web guy calls me and he says, I can build you a ticketing platform of 48 hours. I said, go. He says, I can get you QR codes and we have scannable tickets and the whole thing. I said, go, do it. And then I said, okay, God, now what? And he says, make it free. And I'm literally, I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, you're out of your mind. Seriously? And he's like, make it free. And so I said, okay. So all we did was just put up, I prayed on it, it was going to put a recommended donation. That's it, right? Stephen, in four weeks, we had a, we, that event was very expensive, unnecessarily expensive, but it was just what it was expensive. It was in a six-figure range. We had, every, and I, we were at zeroed. We had everything paid for. I still can't do the accounting on it, nor do I worry about it. I'm just like, good, it worked. Everything that we needed was provided to that point. It was incredible. And, and that's, that's again, I mean, it, you said it earlier, it's the counterintuitive way in which things work, right? The vulnerability that we have to show to gain the greatness of kingdom. And when we do those two things together, and I find this all the time, I, recently, it's like this last 14 weeks, if you were to go back and listen to all the stuff I've been giving testimony to, and it's every time I turn around, it's like, tell the world. And you're like, okay, I'll tell the world. But every time you do that, there is no stronghold. The enemy cannot grab anything on you. You've ripped it away. You're there in the middle of the world. You're going, here it is. Walk with me. And the enemy just flees because you've got nothing on you, right? That strength of vulnerability, and you said it, it would be dealing and then yet standing before the throne. That's where we gain this. And it's the it's the it's these juxtapositions that happen, and I think that was your term in heaven, and it truly is. We just can't imagine in the real world. And yet when we have them, you just can't get enough of them. Once you start to touch that power and that might, you're like, I'll just keep going. This is just like, this is the only way to live. It's really fantastic. It, it's it. And uh, this phrase, right, being a missionary long enough, you hear these phrases like, oh, if it's God's will, it's God's bill. And in the beginning, you're like, that's terrifying. Like, right, right. please tell me there's please tell me <laughs> there's another plan. Sorry, <laughs> there's there's no more plan. Like even, even this thing, this next event that we have going on, like I... I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to find the right video crew. And when I say the right one, I, Lord knows I've, I've tried a couple quote unquote Christian crews and God bless him. Like I, it's the, 
the, all these different things can go sideways, but all that to say, I'm trusting God. But even again, like the lowest bill that we were looking at was something like 40,000 bucks for a, a 10 hour day mm-hmm. because of the needs, like in the, in the needs. And here's the other part too. And this, this, you'll appreciate this. God's told me every step of the way is like, you're doing this with a spirit of excellence. This is me. This isn't a bunch of guys. And the fourth watch Bible study started, you know, our, one of the, the co-founder, Charlie, um, he's in, he's in the podcast. <laughs> he's one of the highest profile land use attorneys in the Northeast. Wow. And his clients had restaurants and dive bars. We would hold Bible studies and dive bars. We're drinking the whole time. Like we're not trying to be, you know, look at us. We're so pious. Um, but saying this, like I said, there's a God I wish you knew. There's a God that does not play by the rules because there are no rules when it comes to God. There's God that that doesn't, he's not restrained by your checking account. And he's not restrained by, you know, the, the things that you find culturally acceptable. Like there's even a woman today. She's like, I just, I, uh, that man said fricking, and I know it's not a cuss word, but he said it. And I, I just bothers me. <laughs> and she felt so strongly that she, she publicly commented on it. And of course it just, it rubbed me the right way in the right time. And I commented back and I'm just like, listen, if, if that's what you want to hold on to, I pray to God you are still of use in the body kingdom, but we are reaching different people who freaking is the least of your concerns. Like that's, you know, you should probably not watch the YouTube videos. Like you should probably just hit abort now. And like, you love those people. And I still see value in those people. Oh, and there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's no condescending of them. It's just funny how like just the uppityness of the age and the time. But listen, I, I, there's a couple of videos out there and I'm probably going to, chop up one of them from a year ago, but it's like, listen, I will take, I will take the worst of the worst heathens, the cesspool of drinkers and smokers and cussers. And I'm going to go into war with those guys because they live, they know what it's like to live. They know what it's like to swing for the rafters, hold nothing back to fail, to end up on your face, to eat crow, to get your ass kicked. Those are the ones, those are the ones that actually like watch and see, wait and see. No, what God's going to do it. You get it. Well, I do. I mean, I, I, there's, this goes back to t- 2005. I did it. And I use this as an example because this was really before I knew God. And yet he was allowing this path that was evolving before me, which is my photography and things I was doing to lead me places that would give me insight later on. I did a month long project in a place in Portland called Devil's Point, which was a strip club. And I did that to tell, and I whole compa- my whole interest was, what's the story about these girls? I want to know who they are. I want to get into the deeper part of their lives. I wanted, there's a story behind the story. I mean, it's not just somebody there. And of course, every one of them is broken. But when yep. you start to understand how they're broken, I talked about this on the show the other night. I'm like, when you understand how they're broken, that's the first place we should be doing ministry because they're going to be on fire for Jesus once you show them that. And once you understand that, then you go back and you're like, okay, now I know why Christ was sitting with prostitutes and tax collectors because they get it. And I've also said this, I mean, not being off color, but I mean, these people communicate in a very certain way. And part of the commodity and the, and the exchange that they do is their bodies. So you can't tell me that somebody sitting across from Christ who is completely, completely thankful for what he's given wouldn't 
slip at some point or not any, know anywhere the way to express it, but then to offer something that would be for most people today would be completely blasphemous and inappropriate, but it wouldn't be that. It would be the only way they would understand how to thank him. And obviously there'd be a no, but it's, but it would be the Christ no of like taken into a lesson. Let me tell you what you just did. You know, and, and just like the adulteress and the, and the accusers, which is, I use this story all the time because I love it so much. Here's a man that walks in in the middle of a pretty bad situation. I mean, we've got rocks and a woman ready to be stoned and literally stands there and scrolls, in, which I always find interesting. Everybody focuses on what he's doing in the sand. And it's like, how about if we focus on what he just does to disarm them? Because what he disarms them with is the realization of who they are and then says these amazing words, go and sin no more. And you're like, okay, normal translation is, well, it's just related to her act. And it's like, I don't know that that's what that says. That is a very powerful statement that he's speaking pre-cross and he's setting it and he's not being specific, which be, would be a much bigger perspective of you've now been freed, now go and sin no more. And that would suggest by, by, by that translation is we have the capacity to walk that way if we're truly walking with him. It's a powerful moment, right? It's it's a terrifying reality mm -hmm. be, because, it, and I was going to mention earlier, there's that poem, I forgot who the the, the writer was, it's female, it's a woman. It's like, you know, it's not that, it's not that people think about how much power they don't have. It's that deep down, we actually know that we're, we're more powerful than we could ever imagine. Mm. Well said. And... The, you know, it's it's just like the confines of this life and this body and this, you know, the temporal sense of things and our weakness and our depravity and our our lack of engagement, our lack of fortitude, our lack of, you know, striving even with ourselves to wake up early to do the things that we need to do. It's like we we're we're constantly doing this weird self evaluation, which I believe is is healthy to a point as long as you don't get kind of you know knocked down to the point where you're not functioning anymore. But the self evaluation is meant to stir and then all of a sudden the reflection right luke 16 where where disciples say teacher you know help us grow our faith and he's like well actually if you only do the bare minimum that i've asked you to do you have to say you've been profitable for nothing like i what i'm saying is come to the reality of the darkest aspects of your faith of your walk of your frailty of your lack of consistency mm -hmm. take full ownership praise god and do yep. the work. That's, that's exactly. It. That's exactly it, man. Well, tell us a little bit about where people can find your work because I think that's awesome. Yeah, um, website is fourth dot watch instead of dot com. Just f o u r t h dot watch. That's like the easiest place to be honest. I haven't updated that thing in like years. The Bible study group asked to say, "Can you give us a website to help explain spiritual warfare?" And that was just like a a one week thing. Um, social media is at fifth dot horse short for fifth horseman, um, or at fourth dot watch fifth horse is just, it's like my unfiltered way of just presenting me fourth watch. There's a bunch of high profile dudes in there that would rather not have me go, you know, full, full F bomb on a lot of the social media stuff. So that's, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little, um, th <laughs> those are the main places. Uh, the, the YouTube channel is fifth horseman. If you Google Fourth Watch or Fifth Horseman, you'll find them. But most, most, I, I would say within the next two months, we're going to have 
the Father Foundation launch. And so fatherfound.org, it's just a, a placeholder for now, but we're kind of relocating everything under that because uh, as as the guys I've, I've been circling wagons with, we there's such a corpus of 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 content influencers of subject matter experts everything from knife fighting to gun wielding executive protection pastoring everything it all applies to fatherhood and so we're almost going to like look at it like this big sandbox and so that's that's going to be coming soon but honestly for now just for the next couple of months be cranking on Jesus and beers if you go to youtube and and google Jesus and beers second episode's dropping either tonight or tomorrow third episode in a week and then the next filming is uh is uh the middle of the month in Dallas which is going to be it's like a full day of filming it's going to be awesome so you and your first episode you talk about what the name where the name comes from so Jesus and beers go ahead yeah, no, I, 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 seven years ago, a pastor, another security guy and me went to the desert, shot 4,000 rounds, drank probably four bottles of scotch. And, you know, there was, you know, I looked at it like there's someone above me and there's someone below me. And like, I'm, I'm here and we're all hashing out these, these concepts of faith. And listen, our, our perspective was if, if it meant we took a bullet for this guy and his mission would continue, that's a win. <laughs> and so, we had you no know, eye to eye conversations. I had two more, two or three more dinners like that with other pastors and security guys at my house. Killed, you know, a lot of food, a lot of scotch. Everything was candid, nothing recorded, except for the very last one. I recorded like a 10 minute clip, just an audio. And I remember listening back on that thing. I'm like, it's probably one of the most profound 10 minutes of anything I've ever heard ever. And I sat on it, sat on it, went to Pennsylvania, built up a food bank, talking to the pastor. The pastor says, What can we do to, to get the men? Because I had like black Baptist pastors mixing with the men's gathering that we were doing. I, just, I became like this whole ringleader. And I said, easy, Jesus and beers. Just the name just hit me in the, in the moment. And he's like, what's that? I'm like, every man in a 30-mile radius would drop what he's doing on a random week, weekday night because a wife would love it to go have a beer at church. Every single man you know, like hands down. You, you, won't, even, you won't even barely need to work at that. And he's like, let's do it. Let's do it. Wife's like, nope. We've worked too hard. We we won't. We can't do that in the the house of God, and his heart was deflated. And I'm like, what's it? What, yeah, and insert the jokes about you know Adam saying the woman you sent me. Um, they're great people. I love them to death. Support them. Pray for them. But it man, it's just his perfect timing. Next thing you know, I'm in Seattle. Um, I am working at a gun range. I'm a firearms tactics instructor, teaching a, a class, and I talking to the owners and he's like, well, what can we do? Just a random conversation. I said, you want to have Jesus and beers? And he's like, F yeah. It's again, like a brand new Christian. Like I love this guy. And so sure enough, like a month later it happened. And again, I didn't have any money. Like the day of some, some amazing woman, Elizabeth, like wired in two grand out of nowhere. And just like all these, you know, small things started happening. I'm like, it was confirmation. The whole thing was confirmation that God wanted it to happen. And then guess what? He tells me to sit on all the content. Don't post a single thing. I think I posted one <laughs> clip of the audio. And then that's where I say about a month and a half or two months ago, he's like, hey, you still have that video? You should probably post that now. I'm like, that's weird. And the fire burns up. And so I, again, this whole spirit of excellence, like I am meticulous about the editing, about the mm -hmm. chopping, the placement. And so I'm the reason why all three episodes haven't been launched yet, but this one's going to launch, like I said, tonight or tomorrow. And then we'll get to the the third one uh, probably before we do the next recording. And then the next one, we'll see what God wants to do. I've got a lot of instruction and 
It's, it's all about my pay grade, man. I don't edit video. I started editing video a year and a half ago. That's it. And this whole TikTok thing, dude, I, I worked hard and curated a life that I avoided the camera like the plague. I've been around athletes, musicians, actors, influencers, and I'm the guy that's holding the camera behind the scenes. That That's my life. And so the fact that my face is even on the camera, even that you lost the camera now. Yeah. Um, it's funny you brought that up. You I know, start, right? Yeah, you start talking about the camera and it goes away. God's like, watch this. <laughs> technical, technical <laughs> difficulties. There it go. goes, goes back. Yeah, so so dude, it's 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 been a wild ride. God's I, that's all I can say is that we serve the God of adventure. It I have no desire to put my face on camera. I just I happen to be blessed. Um it was about uh, a year and a half ago, two years ago, that God about ten times audibly used people in front of me, complete strangers, turn around in grocery stores, liquor stores, gas stations, uh, church, and just mostly women turn around and just said you're building an army for God. And then the last person was at that Jesus and beers where David at the end, we prayed and he kind of looks at me. He's like, this could sound cheesy. It's like, I, th I think you're building an army for God. Nice. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. And he's like, that's not weird to you. I'm like, no, nope. not anymore. <laughs> so wherever this goes from here, man, it's full send. So I agree. I mean, it's, um, when I started this podcast. Uh, everyone told me I had to do video or I would fail. And God says, do audio. And so I did my first 10 episodes and I just hated it. And I just pray on it and God's like, just do audio. So I have like 100 subs on YouTube. I changed the audio. That's in 2019. By um, 2020, we're starting to approach near, you know, in the 50,000 range. And we get into, um, well, it's the election, I'm sorry. In 2020, we're, we're early. We're getting into 10, 20, 30, 50,000. And then we hit... November 10th of 2020. And I'm running YouTube and I'm running on uh, Podbean. And Podbean's a kind of an aggregator too because it goes out to all the others. Yeah. And God, I wake up on getting into 20, the election. God says, go to lives. And I had not been doing lives. I was doing finished edited programs. So I was doing one to two podcasts a week. Let's just go live. So I started doing lives again. I'd been years since I'd done lives. And then I step in on the 10th and wake up and he says, I need more prayer. So at this point, for the next six months, and I'm, I'm be honest with you, I don't really have a, a I, I can tell you it's all Holy Spirit because I was doing six to seven programs a day. And each one's about an hour. And I was just on fire. I mean, it was, and people are like, how are you doing this? I'm like, Holy Spirit, that's all I can tell you. God, God asked to do it, I did it. That channel went from, on Podbean, we had 100,000 downloads. And from November 10th to the end of January, we were at a million downloads and now it's almost 44 million, right? And just, and it's just on fire and that to understand that, I mean, those types of growths are un unprecedented. And they, I'm just at the 44,000 mark on the downloads. Okay. And I'm terrified. I'm like, that means that for, you know, 44,000 impressions of my voice are in people's ears. Like, dude, praise God. But that's like, first off, you have an amazing voice. Right, like the quality, the tonal quality of it, right? That's God. It is God. It's not. It's not and your see, voice. This, like, but see what he's like. He's telling you to do video, do video. I mean, that, that's the thing. So mine's audio. So he tells you to do audio. Just be obey. If he tells me to pivot and shift, I'm doing a little more video now because there seems to be a calling into some of this, and I'm okay with it. But like, do your pivot and shift. Just obey what he says. 
And that's the thing is like put aside what everything else is going to tell you because the other part about it, which is so true, it doesn't matter whether we have three people or a hundred thousand people or a million people. What God needs you to do is what he's telling you to do. And you said that earlier. And I, and I, cause I say the same thing. If we could all do what he asked us to do, it is the most perfect army ever created. And that the redundancies, the residuals, the, the placement, the abilities that are within there, they are so powerful. There's nothing the enemy can counter to that. It, and that's literally what the enemy is most afraid of. Because once you start to awaken to this, there is no possible way to counter that. The enemy is completely exposed. And, and I said this a long time ago. I said the enemy is not afraid of you starting over. The enemy is not afraid of you trying. The enemy is afraid of you being consistent. Yeah, well said. Yeah, it's very good. And well, I, I I appreciate you, man, because, again, everything I've heard so far, you know, when I have, when I have time, because most of the stuff, it's all above my pay grade, so I'm it, takes me hours to do what takes someone else 10 minutes um that how you're leading people in this age especially with the mediums and the reach man it's 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 glory to god it is and you, you, your heart's there that's what you lead with whereas other people in other places right that that might have esteemed themselves as something like we're dust we're dust, we're dust. i mean when everything i always say this this is god's channel <laughs> that's god's channel so I made a change. It's the other day. We changed our, we were doing three. God says go down to two a day. So we, two shows a day, still 12 a week, 13 a week. So I'm like, it's okay, lot, yeah. that's a lot. So I'm like, okay, but the, what he's done is all of a sudden I end up with this immense amount of time to where I can start focusing back heavily into the word. Cause you get to going so fast, as you well know, that's the one thing that slips. And it's like, you got to get back into the word. No matter how it is, it's got to be there. And then you have these, and he's got a book for me to write and a few other things that are all coming together. So it's like, okay, you just opened it up in a way that I couldn't really understand him when he said it. And then when I, the first day I did it, I was like, man, this feels completely different. You know, it's two, two shows. So it's awesome. Hey, we always close with a prayer, Stephen. And I would be really honored today if you'd lead the prayer. I would love to. I'm honored myself. Heavenly Father, we love you. We need you. Just as, ask you right now to forgive all of us. There are people that are might be listening on this right now. Father, I pray and intercede on their behalf for repentance and a reprieve, Lord, that you lift the weight and the burdens and the scales off their eyes, Lord, the the dross, but also, Father, just the, the, the boulder that's fallen upon them of sin, of hopelessness, Lord. We cast it off now, Lord, because your, your yoke is easy. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the hearts, the minds, the eyes that are, that are listening and watching, that are pressing in. Father, we ask right now that you stir your spirit among all those people that are here and those that will be watching and listening after the fact. Father, we're just praying to God that you equip us, Lord. You've already brought us this far. You will never leave us nor forsake us. But Father, we ask for a greater equipping, an anointing, a calling, a perspective, an understanding, and a working, Lord, a working faith, Father, not just a receiving faith, but a working faith, Lord. And we ask that as we present ourselves, Lord, that you meet us and you go before us. You be our foreguard and our rear guard, Lord. Thank you for this man, his ministry, his hands, his obedience, Father. Thank you for all the people that he has in within reach, Lord. And we just ask that you magnify the presence and voice, Lord, all for your glory, all for the kingdom. And Lord, we just ask this, that Jesus be magnified, that he receive the love, honor, respect that he is rightfully due, and that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And Father, I just want to thank you for Stephen. I mean, just what all that he's doing and just the, the, the 
voice that he brings into this fight, his heart, and all that he's bringing into kingdom and he's been led. Just ask that you continue to provide him with all the resources, the blessings, the anointings that he needs to continue to raise up a mighty army in, in the body of Christ. And that may the words that he speak here today inspire those to, to go deeper, farther into that greatness of the word as the, the warriors that people are and the warriors are being called to. So we ask you to continue blessings on him, guide him, protect him in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, brother. Awesome. It's great to get to know you a bit. Great to know you. And we'll we'll definitely stay in touch because we have a lot of thoughts to talk about. When you get that piece done, send it because I'll get it out. Done. Get it, man. All right. See you, bud. God bless you, man. Okay, back. You too. Bye. Patriots, that was Stephen Prowse. And just, it's Fourth Watch. A fantastic voice and really an, an amazing connection. This is all God, how things work. And this is the sort of voices you're hearing more of as, as they start to come up and from unconventional backgrounds. That's really how God's working right now. He's really calling that warrior heart. This is a time that the people have to come to the line, get ready to go into the trenches, and it's really letting go of that formation in the dead stone walls and stepping in truly to the power of the body of Christ and the mightiness that kingdom's calling. We are in a war, and this war is literally the greatest rescue mission of all time. It is to save humanity from the darkness. And I believe, if you're here, I believe if you're in this channel, if you've been here, you're listening to these other people's that are out, these other people's voices that are out here, it's not by accident. This is a calling in your heart. And if you're unclear of that, just ask God to show it to you. But I truly believe that what we're seeing is this mass assembly of people that have that heart, that heart to step in, to be fearless in the spirit, and to wage that war as intercessory, as, as prayer warfare, as all of these things that we have the capabilities and authorities to do and to wage war, to literally tear down strongholds and destroy fortresses, and in so doing, to start freeing those of inhumanity and clarifying that which is before us in a mighty way to see truly the depths of those that we must love and the enemy in this true face. I think that's just an enclosing comment just to really put that in perspective. We have to be persistent in separating that of the flesh and that of the demonic that, that, that binds people. And that's really when we start to get into 1 John 3 and much more. We'll be talking a lot about this this coming week and really digging into the power of love and what it requires of us to step into that next level of power and kingdom. It's an exciting time. Well, patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land, expand the kingdom, subdue the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you Sunday morning, 7 a.m. for our prayer and worship. This was Coffee and Jesus. Until then, or until the next time, God bless. Thank you. Good night. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe.